Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ala seyyidina Muhammed. Ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. İnşallah Allah yufikna. Kına ilal alemi ve tanda. Okey. So. Kalan musannifu. Rahimuhullahu ta'ala ve nefanallahu ve yahum ve ilumi fi darin. Amin. This is Ascent to Felicity. So if people have the translation, they can follow along. We're going to look at the Arabic first, and then uh, we can go from there. So he says, Faslun fi salat al-musafir, aqallu muddat al-safir, thalathatu ayyam, fa'idha tajawaza maqamahu qasidan mahalan yasilu ilayhi bisayrin wasatin, fi thalathati ayyaman aftara wa qasar al-fard, al-ruba'i, ولا يجوز اتمامه فإن جلس فيه الجلوس الأول صح وأساء وإلا فلا يصح ولا قصر ولا قصر في غير فرد رباعي فإن كان في حال نزول أطمئنان يصلي السنن وإلا يتركها وإذا نوى الإقامة خمسة عشر يوما في مصر أو قرية أتم وصام وإلا فلا وينتهي السفر بدخوله وطنه وإذا اقتدى بمقيم في الوقت صح وأتم وبعده لا وبعكسه صح فيهما بشرط أن لا يتم المقيم رباعية مع إمامه المسافر فإن تمها معه فسر فرده وفائتة السفر تقطع ركعتين والحضر أربعا والعبرة بآخر الوقت والعاصي والطائي سواء في القصر والفطر للسفر So he says رضي الله تعالى عنه Wow it's so short in Arabic the English translation is so long Uh, the minimum period of travel whereby certain legal rulings take effect is three days on camel. So this is where uh, the footnotes become so important of Sheikh Faraz. So the minimum period of travel whereby certain legal rulings take effect is three days on camel. Uh, thus, when a person has left his place of residence intending to travel at a medium pace to a place that he will reach in at least three days, then he does not fast. And he shortens the four rakah obligatory prayers. He is not allowed to pray them as four rakah. Okay. Um, so, what is this distance? Sheikh Faraz says the least distance of travel for certain rulings to take effect is a camel journey of three days, which is roughly 48 miles. Reasonable estimation of this distance is sufficient. One does not have to be certain, as it is an approximation. Meaning that the the description itself is an approximation. It's not like a mathematical analysis. So, if you feel like you, it doesn't have to be one hundred percent accurate. It's an approximation. Um, from the rulings that happen, is that uh, the prayer is shortened. And the wiping on the khuf uh, extends to three days rather than one day. And it's no longer mandatory to attend a Friday prayer or Eid prayer. Um, nor to perform the sacrifice of Eid al-Adha. Um, and so all of that is there. Okay. Uh, 48 miles is the first point. Second point here is that it begins... Once the person has crossed their city limits. So when do they enter into the hukum of being a musafir? And when are they in the hukum of a muqeem? That's basically the question. That I'm, I'm gonna, these rules are going to change when I'm considered a traveler, when I'm not considered a traveler. If I'm going on a journey that fulfills the distance requirement, I become a traveler as soon as I leave the confines of my city, my city limits. Uh, having passed the city limits, okay? Before, if you leave the house and you haven't crossed the city limits, you're not a traveler. If you haven't left the house yet, you're not a traveler. You're a traveler once you leave uh, 
the city limits. Okay. Um, the four rakah prayers become two rakah man mandatorily. You don't have an option in the Hanifi school. They say that the original salat. The reason for that is that the original salat that was given to the Prophet them was a salat that was um, two rakah. That the original salat of the Prophet them was a salat that was two rakah. So as such, they say that when you're traveling and this exemption comes, this exemption comes to return the salat to its original two. And so uh, one cannot do four. <coughs> So he says a place that they will stay at, uh, they would reach there in at least three days. Okay. The other condition of this is that um, they are staying uh, for if they get to their destination. So it'll come actually. I won't. I won't skip ahead. Uh, if he does pray the four full full four rakah and sits the final sitting between the second and uh, and sits the first sitting between the second and third rakah, then the prayer is valid, although he has committed a serious error. Otherwise, it is invalid. Why? Because um, essentially, if they've sat for that first sitting then they completed everything that was fard upon them because they sat for that last sitting the length of a tashahud if you remember like the they sit for a length of the tashahud that was the, the last fard so they've completed that actually if they sit for that first sitting uh, so the prayer has been done but they obviously um, left out wajib left out wajibat or they did things you know they didn't do it in the way that they were supposed to um, so there's hurma with that, and they should repeat it. Um, so he says uh, in the footnote, um, that is, if he misses the first sitting altogether, the obligatory prayer is rendered invalid, since he omitted an obligatory fard integral, namely uh, the final sitting of the two rakah. The four rakah are deemed as a voluntary a voluntary prayer, and he must replay, repay. Uh, repray the obligatory if they miss that first city. Um, okay, he may not shorten any prayer aside from the four rakah obligatory prayers. If he is at a halt on the journey while in a state of rest, he should pray the emphasized sunnas along with the mandatory prayers. Otherwise, he may leave them if they're in the course of the travel. Um, and there's a difference of opinion on whether or not the two rakah of Fajr fall into that exemption. So some of them said the two rakah of Fajr still they should do. Uh, sunnah of Fajr. Once the individual reaches a city or village and intends on staying there for at least 15 days, they must complete their prayers and fast. So if they arrive and they're planning to stay there for 15 days or more um, then they're not a traveler anymore so they arrive at their destination they're planning to stay 15 days or more basically more than two weeks then uh, if that's the case they're no longer a traveler once they arrive um, otherwise if they're still on the journey or they're residing somewhere for less than 15 days then they do not complete the four rakah prayers and they do not fast rather they still shorten the prayers and they may choose to fast in Ramadan the journey of the traveler ends so now they left, they went they're coming back the journey of the traveler ends Upon entering the city limits of their normal place of residence. Upon entering the city limits of their normal place of residence. So not when you get to your house. When you pass the city limits. So it's the city limits that are the beginning and ending point of the traveling. Uh, 
Um, if the traveler prays behind a resident imam within the prayer time, his prayer is valid and he must pray the first, the full four. Uh, afterwards, it is not. That is after the time has expired. Okay, so after the time has expired, then they have to pray that. Now that has landed in their debt as Turaka, and they have to pray it as Turaka, which is what he's going to say right now. Um, in the opposite scenario, the prayer of the resident follower would be valid in both cases. Meaning the resident follower who is supposed to pray for prays behind the traveler. Uh, whether or not it's in the time, it's valid because they're going to pray for either way. They're not going to pray to. Um... In both cases. With the condition, however, that the resident does not complete the four rakah with his imam. Uh, the oh, sorry. We read the whole thing. In the opposite scenario, the prayer of the resident follower would be valid in both cases. With the condition, however, that the resident does not complete the four rakah with his imam. The traveler, if the imam incorrectly performs four rakah instead of two, uh, right. uh, for if he completes it with him, his, the resident follower's obligatory prayer is rendered invalid in counsels of voluntary prayer instead. So let's read his commentary. Basically, the surah is, uh, we'll give the comment in his footnote. That is in the opposite scenario, which is that of a resident praying as a follower behind a traveler imam the resident's prayer is valid in both cases, i.e., both in the prayer time and after its expiration. In either case, because the traveler imam prays only two rakah, the resident follower does not say salam with him, but rather rises to complete the remaining two rakah as they are both obligatory for him. Uh, he does so without any recitation and without performing a forgetfulness prostration if any mandatory requisite is omitted therein. Finally, it is recommended for the Imam to say immediately after the second closing salam, complete your prayer for I am a traveler. So, uh, the exception that was mentioned in the in this one, the with the condition, is that the Imam who is a traveler doesn't make a mistake and pray for. If they make a mistake and pray for, and the one behind him prays for, then that doesn't count as their the resident behind him prays for then that doesn't count as their obligatory prayer because for the imam traveler it didn't count for his either because he didn't do it in the way that he was supposed to do a missed four rakah prayer on a journey is made up as two rakah <coughs> even if one is no longer a traveler when making it up likewise a missed four rakah prayer while residing is made up as four rakah even if one is on a journey when making it up the end of the prayer time is what is considered for this and other legal rulings, meaning whatever the person's state is when they get to the end of the prayer time, were they a musafir or were they muqim, were they a resident or were they a traveler at the end of the prayer time, that's where this this, this determination comes, this two rakah, four, four rakah determination. Okay, so that's the section on traveling. Um, The um, uh, the position of Sheikh Yahya Al Mullah, Hafidhullah, uh, from the scholars of Al Ahsa, is that the distance for traveling is not actually forty eight miles, but it's more like <coughs> a little bit less, forty six point six or seven. Yeah. Uh, Shazab, you have a question. That's an interesting question. If you're going for Hajj and it's less, yeah, and usually it is less, isn't it? Because at least you're going to Mecca and Medina. 
Mm. As far as I know, it would you would still shorten when you're uh, praying by yourself. Um, but you know, oftentimes you're praying in jamaah and you're doing whatever. Although that would have a major consequence. Why do people don't do that? I haven't seen that as an exception. Hmm. Yeah. Allahu I haven't seen that as an exception. can follow the imam who's praying for um, you you follow the imam so um, where he says I think he, he um, if the traveler prays behind a resident imam within the prayer time his prayer is valid and you must pray the four full rakah four, full four rakah um uh, it's here. There we go. So, uh, yeah, they pray the they pray the full four. Um, this would take two possibilities when you're in a thing like Hajj. One of them would be that the person you're praying behind is. <coughs> is an actual resident of, of the area for some reason. Maybe because they're a local or maybe because they're like a Shafi'i or something. I think their length of travel is only three or four days, maybe four days. Um, or they could be a traveler, but in their madhab it's acceptable to pray for. So in all of those cases, you'd be fine praying behind them. And you could pray the four. You don't. You do whatever the imam does. Uh, if the imam is traveling and they do two, then obviously you do two. But if the imam is not traveling, then and they do four, then you do four. I guess we should read this because Ramadan is coming. The section on Tarawih. So, Tarawih section here. Uh, he says, Rahimahullah, Tarawih is Sunnatun than Rijali wa Nisa, where he is Shurun or Raka, be Ashri Taslimat, what a Sehu bad in Aisha, where you Jews Takdim Witri Aleha, we used to have Bunjunusu bad Kuli. أربعين بقدرها والختم والجماعة فيها سنة كفاية للرجال وإذا ثقل على القوم طول القراءة يخففها فيقرأ فيها بنحو كوثر وقل هو الله أحد إلى تمامها Wow, that's amazing Okay, so this translation is um, the following the Tarawih prayers are emphasized sunnah <coughs> for both men and women. They consist of 20 rak'ah with 10 salams. 20 rak'ah with 10 salams. They are valid only after Isha prayer and they may be performed after Witr. One should ideally rest after every four rakat for approximately their length, the length of time to pray the four. So they pray four, they sit four. It's called tarawih for the sitting. Tarawih is the plural of tarwiha. Tarawih is to take a break. So the prayer itself is called, it's named after the breaks that are taken between the four rakat. 
which they say is also one of the indicators that it's supposed to be 20 and not 8 because there's tarawih means there's multiple sittings after 4 so if it was only 8 then it wouldn't be tarawih it would be tarawih hatan but tarawih indicates that it's there's multiple sittings more than two sittings after four um, it is communal sunnah sunnah kifaya for men to perform them in in congregation as well as to recite the entire Quran um, in these prayers once over the course of the month so that's a communal obligation Not everyone has to do it, but someone should do it. And to do them in the mosque is a good thing. If one is able to do so, obviously it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do so. Um, if, however, the lengthy recitation entailed therein is too burdensome for the congregation, the imam should reduce this burden by sh- reciting short surahs like Al-Kawthar and Qun Allahu Ahad over their entirety so basically they can shorten the recitation as well it's not that everyone has to do it that way which is of course important because tarawih at home is going to be harder for most people to, to recite everything they need to recite if they have to do the whole khatam and especially if they're going to be strict Hanafis where they don't hold a mushaf then they're really going to be in trouble unless they're hafid uh, so, but that's tarawih 20 rakah it can be shortened it can be done afterwards and uh, Allahumma Ramadan has a whole different meaning this year oh Allah allow us to reach Ramadan um, it's a whole different meaning. Yes. see it's actually in the next section let me see if he mentions it I've, I've seen that in the about the Maliki school that you have to make up your missed obligatory prayers um, before you can do the optional ones um, specifically recall but I remember being surprised when I heard that uh, about the Maliki school um, 
Seeker's guidance, it looks like it's there, but the website is under construction. So let me pull up the the old one. Um, so he says on on uh, Sheikh Faraz Rabbani says on uh, on seekers guidance that it is permitted to pray the voluntary prayers that the messenger of Allah sent so them encouraged even when one has make up prayers to be done um, as long as that's not going to delay your makeup that is the condition so um, you know like I've said before I'm a little bit a little bit lenient on the Tanfiq thing so um, uh, yeah so you could do things like in in the Shafi'i school you can pray your obligatory prayer behind an optional prayer so you could theoretically join Tarawih with the intention of like Fajr that you missed and and that would count but you know you don't have to leave them you know you you could do it basically is the point um, you you know if you want to just talk about what the madhab is the madhab is you can pray sunnah emphasize sunnah prayers that are uh, while you still have obligations to fulfill as long as it's not like you know significantly delaying your fulfillment of those obligations okay Let's go to the prostration of forgetfulness, although this section is borderline really confusing usually. But, um, you know, alhamdulillah. Uh, here we go. Prostration of forgetfulness. Bismillah. Babun fi sujudisahu. Yajibu sajdatani bi tashahudin wa tasliman. لِتَرْكِ وَاجِبٍ سَهْوًا وَإِن تَكَرَّرْ وَيُسَنُّ الْإِتْيَانُ بِسُجُودِ السَّهْوِ بَعْدَ السَّلَامِ وَإِن سَجَدَ قَبْلَ السَّلَامِ كُرِهْ تَنْزِيهًا وَيَسْقُطُ سُجُودِ السَّهْوِ بِعُرُودِ كَرَاهَةٍ وَمُبْتِنٍ كَتُلُوعٍ كَتُلُوعٍ وَتَغْيِيرِ شَمْسٍ وَإِذَا ظَنَّ إِتْمَامَ رُبَاعِيَّةٍ فَقَامَ ثُمَّ تَبَيَّنَ أَنَّهُ أَنَّهُ جُلُوسُ الْأَوَّلِ أتمها وسجد لسه وإن هضى إلى الثالثة ثم تذكر القعود عاد إليه وكذا الأخير ما لم يسجد فإن سجد للزائرة بطل فرده وضم أخرى ليكون الزائرتان له نافلة وسجد لسه ولو اقتدى بمن سلم وعليه سهون ثم سجد صح الاقتداء وإلا فلا وإذا لم يكن الشك كثيرا تبطل به صلاة وإن كثر تحرى وإلا أخذ بالأقل وقعد على كل ركعة ظنها الأخيرة okay. so. He says Sheikh Faraz's commentary on that beginning is the entire page. <laughs> it is mandatory, wajib, to perform two prostrations along with an extra tashahud and two salams for the omission of one or more mandatory requisites 
of the prayer due to inattentiveness or forgetfulness. So it's for missing a wajib. Missing a wajib. Um, doing an extra rakua. Uh, or performing an extra something else. Um, forgetting to recite from uh, something after Fatiha in the places where you would do that. Reading aloud in a rakah of silent recitation or vice versa. Um it's more than one verse less is excused um, says for example out of forgetfulness even if it's more than one hence uh, even if one were to accidentally omit all the mandatory requisites of the prayer it is not sinful and we'd have to perform only one prostration of forgetfulness meaning that one one set Assuming they left it accidentally, they left it on purpose, then um, that's a different issue. They're sinful and they have to do the prayer over. Um, <coughs> so he says, uh, these are the mandatory acts of prostration and forgetfulness itself. The sunnahs of it are to do so after the first salam to and to send blessings upon the Prophet them and make the closing dua after the additional tashahud in the sitting that performs the prostration. So, what would that look like? Therefore, if one omits one or more mandatory requisites in prayer, he continues the prayer and sits the final sitting at the end of the last rakah, wherein he recites only the normal tashahud. He then makes one salam. So they sit. They do regular tashahud only. Then they make one salam. After the one salam, they uh, make the two sujood. And then they do the final sitting with the tashahud and the salah on the Prophet wasallam, And the closing dua. And then they make salam to both sides. Okay, this is the Hanafi sujood sahu. It is sunnah to perform the prostration of forgetfulness after the first salam. Thus, if one does so before the salam, it is mildly disliked. One becomes absolved of performing the forgetfulness prostration if a time in which prayers are disliked enters, such as the changing of the sun after asr, or if the time expires, such that the prayer is broken, such as sunrise for fajr. So they're like praying at the end of asr time. And it's about to get into that time that's disliked, tahriman. Uh, and if they do the prayer of, if they do the prayer of sajda uh, sahu, they'll enter into that time. Then they don't, they don't do it. They're excused of it. If one thinks they have finished four rakah prayer, a four rakah prayer, and they stand up. Then realizes he had actually been in the first sitting, he should complete it and then perform the prostration of forgetfulness. If someone else joins his prayer, it is valid. So, um, so he says that is, he should resume the prayer and perform its last two rakah. This is possible as long as he, he had not done an action contrary to the prayer, such as eating or speaking with words that would otherwise nullify the prayer. While words of remembrance or Quranic recitation are excused, turning the torso away from the qibla also prevents one from resuming the prayer. So, they're praying a four rakah prayer. They sit down after two, thinking that they're done. And then they realize that they're not done. Um, then they get up and they continue. Okay. If one begins to rise for the third rakah and then realizes he had not performed the first sitting, he should return to the sitting position. Uh, this is if they have not, if they're closer to sitting. 
they're closer to sitting, they go back to sitting. If they're closer to standing, they don't go back to sitting. Um, if they're closer to standing, I mean, if they're closer to sitting, and they go back to sitting, they don't have to do sujood sahu. But if they are closer to standing and they stand, then uh, they have to do sujood sahu. <coughs> If the person is closer to standing, they stand, or they're closer to standing, and then they realize, and they go all the way back down to sujood, uh, the prayer is still valid, but they've incurred a sin, because they left, excuse me, they left the fard to go to a wajib, and the fard is higher, the standing is a fard, so it's a higher priority, they left the higher priority to go to the lower one. Which would be problematic. Um, okay, the same ruling applies to the final sitting, as long as he had not prostrated. So if now they they're in a four rakah prayer, so for example, they pray the four rakah, they sit, and after the beginning of sitting, they get up, thinking that they still had more to do. If they get up and they're in this fifth one now, and they remember before making sujood, then they just go back to sitting, and they finish the salah and they do sujood asahum. If they don't remember that that's the case until after they've gone down and made a sujood, um, that's what this is. If, however, he performs the prostration of the extra rakah, his obligatory fard prayer is invalidated and becomes a voluntary prayer and they should add another rakah so then now it's like becomes six so um, and then they have to do the obligatory prayer over If, however, they're in Maghrib, then they only do the one extra. Right. So they made. Now they're in Maghrib. They stand up. They prayed three. They stand up to four. They don't really realize that they've done that until after the sujood on the fourth. Then, in that case, they just pray the fourth only. After the fourth, they make salam. That whole four becomes nefil. Becomes considered nefil, and then they have to repeat the salah itself, the two rakah salah. Okay. Um, if one needed to perform the prostration of forgetfulness, but rather said the closing salam, after which another person, thinking him to be in prayer, joined him as a follower, um, then the follower's joining will be valid only if he, the original person playing, continues his prayer and performs the prostration of forgetfulness. He says, thinking him to be in prayer, because he's not actually in prayer, right? Um, if they've already made this, then. if one does, ha if one does not have frequent, if one does not frequently have doubts in the prayer, then a doubt in the prayer would invalidate it. However, if it is frequent, he should make a reasonable estimation and adhere to it. Otherwise, he should assume the lower number and sit after every rakah that could possibly be the last one. So what does this look like? Let me read the footnotes. If one does not frequently have doubts in prayer. This ruling refers to the first time in one's life as an adult that one has doubt during the prayer regarding the number of rakah that have been performed. Like if unsure whether one had prayed two or three rakah. Doubt in this context refers to the equivalency of two matters. That is a 50-50 split without inclination toward one option over the other. If, however, one has such a doubt after having completed the prayer, 
or after having sat the final sitting for the length of time it takes to recite the tashahud, then the doubt is given no due consideration and is of, and is of no consequence. Um, so this the first thing is that one does not have frequent frequently have doubts means the first time in their life. Any time after the first time, then it falls into uh, this next category. If, however, it is frequent, he should make a reasonable estimation and adhere to it. According to most scholars, frequent occurrence of doubt is established with the second time it occurs in one's life as an adult. Um, it is also important for one who has doubt during the prayer to not stop verbally making remembrance or reciting Quran while thinking and making his reasonable estimation so as not to necessitate a forgetfulness prostration by remaining silent for the time it takes to say subhanallah three times. So they say if you're silent for the time that it takes to say subhanallah three times, then at that point you've delayed whatever was supposed to come next and because of that delay you have to make sujood sahu. So he's saying that if you're confused about which rakah you're in, continue doing whatever it is that you are doing while you're trying to make the estimation. Um, so that in that case they make a reasonable estimation and they adhere to it. Um, if they're unable to make an estimation, they assume the lower number and perform sitting after each rakah since anyone could be an even rakah and performs a forgetfulness prostration at the end. But usually you have like some sort of inclination. If you have some sort of inclination, you just go with whatever you had the inclination for. So that's Sujood al-Sahu. I know it's a big section. Um, let me see what else we need to cover here. We need to do Friday prayer. Short. Uh, Babylon وشروط صحتها المصر أو فناؤه والسلطان أو نائبه ووقت الظهر والخطبة قبلها بقصدها في وقتها وحضور أحد لسماعها ممن تنعقد بهم الجمعة ولو واحدا والإذن العام من الجماعة وهم ثلاثة رجال غير الإمام ولو كانوا عبيدا أو مسافرين والشرط بقاؤهم محرمين مع الإمام حتى يسجد فإن نفروا بعد سجوده أتمها جمعة وإلا بطلت والمصر كل موضع له أمير وقاض ينفذ الأحكام ويقيم الحدود وفرد خطبة نحو تسبيحة أو تهليلة والسنة خطبتان بجلسة بينهما بطهارة قائما ويجب السعي للجمعة بالأذان الأول وترك كل شاغل عنها وإذا خرج الإمام فلا صلاة ولا كلام وكره الأكل والشرب والعبث والالتفات وكره الخروج من المصر بعد الأذان وتجزئ عن فرد الظهر لمعذور ومن أدركها في التشهد أو سجود السهو أتمها جمعة Okay, so this is good. 
The chapter on the Friday prayer. Chapter on the Friday prayer. The Friday prayer is an individual obligation with its conditions, namely. So, individual obligation on the one who meets the conditions. If the one doesn't meet these conditions, then it's not obligatory for them. They can still attend it, and it would take the place of Dhuhr, but it's not obligatory for them. Um, or they can pray the Lord uh, with the following conditions being male, being free residing in a city or even in its outskirts according to the sounder position uh, it's not obligatory on travelers uh, or those who are outside of the city So, uh, sound health Sound health, that is to be free from any illness that prevents one from leaving on their own, or an illness that would worsen by going out. The same ruling applies to one taking care of an ill person who would be left unattended if the caretaker would leave for the prayer, as well as to a very old, debilitated man. So if someone's caring for someone else, and uh, that person can't be left on their own, this is an important uh, addition then they would be exempt from the obligation of going to Dhuhr. I mean going to Jummah, sorry. Uh, safety from an oppressor, meaning they can get to the Jummah. Sound eyesight and ability to walk. Uh, Ibn Abidin, for example, says that like a person who doesn't have sound eyesight, but they're used to getting around on their own, and they don't have an issue with that, then the, the Jummah is still obligatory for them. Um, one who is unable to walk on his own, then he is absolved of the obligation, even if he finds someone or something to carry him. Mm -hmm. Another excuse that absolves the obligation is heavy rain, snow, hail, or mud. Basically, where there is undue hardship in going to the mosque. So all of those would... Um, Remove the obligation of going. The conditions of the validity of the Jummah prayer. Conditions of the validity. Meaning, if these aren't met, it doesn't count as Jummah. If these aren't met, it doesn't count as Jummah. A city or its outskirts. Um, meaning, like, if you're in some town that's in the some small village or you're like camping in the desert or something you don't make Jummah head of state or one appointed by him it's mentioned in the uh, like in the Hashia of Ibn Abidin that if for some reason there's no ruler and the Muslims congregate and they agree for someone to lead the Friday or Eid prayers, it's valid. So they they dealt with that possibility. The time of Dhuhr, meaning that the, it's in the time of Dhuhr prayer. Uh, a sermon that precedes it, delivered intentionally, also in the time of Dhuhr. <coughs> so there has to be some khutbah in the time of Dhuhr. Uh, the presence of even one person to listen to the sermon, that person being among those with whom the Friday prayer is valid. So a sane adult that is male, even if they're traveling or they're sick. Um, so this is the minimum. Uh, Haskafi and Shurun Bulari mentioned that the presence of one such person is sufficient for the sermon. Whereas most scholars mention that a congregation of at least three men is necessary, Ibn Abidin seems to incline toward the latter opinion. <coughs> so basically they're distinguishing, Shurun Buladi is distinguishing between <coughs> the minimum to attend the khutbah versus the minimum to attend the salat. And Ibn Abidin seems to lean towards the three, which is the minimum that's coming in a second, is the minimum for the khutbah and the salat. Um, general permission for the Muslims to join General permissions for the Muslims to join 
which is um, okay. You can lay down. It's early. You want to lay down here? Meaning that people aren't barred from attending the the Juma. Okay. Okay, sweetheart, lay down. I'll be done in a minute, okay? You can lay down there. Move the iPad. Um, so, like, if you hold it in your house, but only the people of your house are uh, invited, and nobody else can attend, then uh, that would be problematic. However, he says in the footnote, that uh, that is no Muslim may be barred from joining the Friday prayer otherwise the prayer itself is rendered invalid Ibn Abidin however suggests that if those that are barred are still able to attend the Friday prayer elsewhere it is, then it is valid uh, I wish I had checked in this book when it came up this came up recently for, uh, I was at a retreat and it was like in a house some brothers had and their families had invited us to come teach at this retreat with them and um, it so happened that the last day was on Friday and they were saying like not everyone was a traveler so most of us were travelers not everyone was a traveler so I said can we pray Juma in the house together and not go to the masjid and then we'll be able to finish more like content of what we were trying to cover so the people we asked and like what they had said and stuff said that the idhan am is required um, meaning that people have to be allowed to attend but I didn't find this um, and the people that I asked didn't I guess realize that Ibn Abidin suggests that those who are barred are still able to attend the Friday prayer elsewhere then it is valid so I mean like yeah we wouldn't have been inviting everyone to come pray at the house but they could go to the regular masajid um, this raises an interesting question though around like the people now who uh, are doing like their own Juma in their house so they're like I'm just going to do my own Juma in my house because I can't go to the masjid and like my family has five males in it so we're going to do our Juma in the house in the circumstances we're in right now, the people who are not, they're barred from coming to the house, they're not able to pray Juma anywhere else either. So that wouldn't meet the condition. Um, a congregation of at least three men, other than the Imam, even if they are not people who, even if they are slaves or travelers, meaning they're not people who Juma is required for them. The condition is not that they're, that Juma is required for them, the condition is that there's someone that can lead Juma. It's acceptable for them to lead Jummah. The condition is that they remain in the prayer with the Imam until he prostrates. That is, if they break the prayer and leave him alone after he has prostrated, he is to complete the two rakah of the Friday prayer on his own. Otherwise, it is rendered invalid. Um, <coughs> any vicinity that has its own governor and, and judge carrying out the law and establishing penal punishments is considered a valid city for the Friday prayer. The minimum obligation for a valid sermon is one tasbihah or one tahlila. That is to say, subhanallah once or la ilaha illallah once or alhamdulillah. Uh, to do so is disliked. Ibn Abidin says mildly disliked, but that is the minimum. So if someone got up and they said, you know, they said, Salaamu Alaikum, there's the adhan, then they stand up again and they say, la ilaha illallah. That would technically count as a valid Jummah. Why this matters? Because if someone gets up and they give a, a khutbah in English, for example, and all of that khutbah doesn't, there's no verse in it, there's no hadith in it that's reciting in Arabic or anything like that, they do make dhikr in it, then that would be acceptable. Um... It is sunnah for the imam to sit between, to, to do two khutbahs and sit between them in a state of ritual purity while standing. Meaning that they're, they're not conditions, but they're, um, they're sunnah.
is mandatory to hasten to Jummah prayer at the first call to prayer, leaving any sort of distraction. So when it's time to go, you go. You don't leave anything. You don't do other things. Once the imam emerges from his quarters, or once they stand up to go to the minbar, uh, one may not pray or speak until after the prayer is done. So they don't pray their tahit al-masjid if they come in late. They don't talk. Um, they don't make dua. They don't even say ameen to a dua, anything. Uh, they don't even say, when there's salah on the Prophet's eyes them, they don't even say sallallahu alayhi wa them. They do it internally. And they don't raise their hands during the supplication either. None of that. They act like they're in salah during the khutbah. It is disliked to eat, drink, fiddle around, or turn to and fro during the khutbah. It is also disliked to leave the city after the first call to prayer without having prayed the Friday prayer. With the exception of someone who, intending to embark on a journey, would miss his caravan were he to pray the Friday prayer and is unable to undertake the journey by himself. Otherwise, to do so is prohibitively disliked for the one, for those on whom attending the Jummah is fard, yet it is it, yet permissible for those excused. So that's an important condition. So basically, like, if you're leaving on a trip, and you leave after Dhuhr has come in, without praying Jummah, and you're driving yourself, that's, that's prohibited. But if you leave and you're like, Trying to catch a flight, that's different. You can because if you miss the flight, that's a problem. Obviously, you can't like now that that caravan has gone. So say your flight's at like such that uh, you end up. Say your flights. Let's say your flights at like three o'clock, and Zohar comes in at one, and they pray Juma at one thirty in the masjid. So you're intending to leave your house at 12.45 so you can exit the city limits by 12.55 and therefore be in a state of being a traveler at the time the Dhuhr comes in at 1. So you don't have to worry about any of this if you had done that. But you're traveling with your family and like the kids are running you late and the husband's taking too long to get ready, which you know is usually the case. It's usually the husband is taking too long to get ready and everything else. And then all of a sudden you're leaving the house and now you're leaving the house at 12.55 and you're like speeding to get to the city limits before 1 o'clock and you don't make it past the city limits at 1.05. So now you pass the city limits at 1.05. Zohar has come in. Juma, the adhan for Juma has been made. But Juma is not being prayed till 1.30 and your flight's at 3. So if you stay for that Juma, you will miss the flight. In this case, you're excused. You can go to catch the flight. But if you were just traveling yourself, like you're going on a a, a road trip driving, uh, then you you would have to pray the Jummah at that point. I hope that's clear. Inshallah. The Friday prayer takes the place of Dhuhr, even for one excused from attending, like a traveler or a person that is ill. If one joins the Friday prayer in the Tashahud, or even in the prostration of forgetfulness, he completes it as a Friday prayer. So he he completes it as two and not as four. If they catch the tashahud. Allahu alamu sallallahu wa sallam ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli wa sallam. So we'll we'll stop here and we'll continue with Eid prayer tomorrow. Um, and then from there we'll do the janazah and that will finish up kind of like the prayer section, inshallah. Any questions or anything? Okay, assalamu alaikum. Take care. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, stop share. This man was falling asleep today. My buddy, what's going on, man? Why are you awake? I want to go back to sleep. 
if I go back to sleep, will you go back?